Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision, New Vision, covering the whole world. Back at Sarah's place, life is harder and even more strict. The house is always locked and the key is kept by her sister. She has also installed cameras in the small room that houses the Ugandan girls looking for Cheyo and in the adjacent kitchen. I'm told she also installed a camera in the toilet and was forced to remove it after the girls rioted. Sarah is the agent who paid for my visa and ticket and she received me in Dubai. Technically, I belong to her for sale in order to recover her investment. After failing at the first job she sold me to, I returned to find her more irritable than ever. I am told that recently, all the girls she was taking to the office broke ranks and escaped. The office is actually a slave market where people buy housemaids. Girls are paraded in stores behind the agent's counter where buyers keep passing by to see which kadama they can work with. It is so humiliating, especially for first-timers. This is not the first time, and I am not surprised by anything at the slave market anymore. But most of the girls had spent two weeks without being bought and were tired of the way she was treating them. They escaped on their way to office, leaving all their belongings, phones and passports with Sarah. But Sarah did not pursue or report them to the police. I think she was afraid of being grilled about how she got the girls in the first place and their living conditions. The strict life at Sarah's house now is because of the fear that the girls may report themselves to the police, which is likely to lead to a raid on Sarah's house. Their other unfortunate alternative is to join sex work and raise money to return home. So, Sarah no longer allows phones. Even when I ask to check on my people in Uganda, she refuses. I want to inform New Vision of my new location so that they can effect a planned rescue. I am tired of the whole experience, but have no way of getting out of it. Girls have so many stories about Cheyo. I narrate mine as I also listen to theirs. One of the girls says her bosses were five women. Part of her work was to give a massage to the older woman in her 40s every evening. During the massage, the woman would scream as if she was having sex with a man. The girl says she was so scandalized that she refused to continue with the massage. She was sacked on the fifth day on the job. Another claimed she was made to take care of a dog, which the boss was treating like a human being. She also looked after a shrine and was forced to eat the food which was offered as sacrifice. One day, she says her leg got swollen mysteriously. She asked to be returned to Sarah, and as soon as she was returned, her limbs healed. The consensus seems to be that these Arabs are playing their game, using us as labor and finding reason not to pay us. Many of the girls being bought are returned after five to seven days, with the employers demanding their balance. The safest way to make money as a Kadama is to go abroad using a registered company. This category of Ugandans also face problems, but their handlers know that they can be traced and their abusers punished. At Sarah's place, the number of newcomers rises more than the girls being bought for work. Sarah is particularly hostile towards us, who failed at our previous jobs. 
she calls us damaged goods. When the number rises to 10, Sarah starts rationing food. We react by stealing food from her kitchen while wearing hoods so as to dodge the installed cameras. Time comes and I return to the office, the slave market. I have hope that I will find someone with a phone to help me call New Vision so they can evacuate me. There, we meet other girls on sale, many of whom have worked in several homes and failed. They talk of misery and fraud. I learn that even when the employer actually pays you, the agent confiscates the money if you are returned. We learn tricks of survival, like cutting a hole in your bra or wearing a panty or patra shorts with pockets in order to hide money. One Ugandan being sold by an Arab agent called Medina narrates to me her sad story. We would synchronize our permissions to visit the toilet so we can talk. She says when her wages of 1,500 dirhams, which is about 1.5 million shillings, were taken by her agent, she got angry and went to a nearby police station. But the police did not help. They asked Medina to refund her money and she ended up making a deal with them that did not favor her. She agreed to refund the money only after the girl had gone to another home and worked there for three months. You cannot get justice at the police against someone who speaks Arabic like them. The girl is now back to the slave market to be sold so that she can get back her 1,500 dirhams. I also meet three Ghanaians whose agent forced them to wash off their makeup. Others are from India, the Philippines and Sri Lanka. I realize that the majority of agents are not even Arabs. They are Ethiopians and Sri Lankans in the more than 20 acres of Al-Wad and Kotaj labor recruitment centers. Both buildings are close together in the municipality of Ajman, just opposite Ajman police post after Shajah on the way from the airport. It seems Sarah is working under someone else, who she calls Mama. Mama monitors Sarah and other agent stalls on cameras all the time. After not being bought for three days, Sarah transfers me to Mama's stall at Cottage Labor Recruitment Company. Mama is also Ethiopian and has four more girls in her stall. They are from Ethiopia, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, India, Bangladesh, the Philippines, and Uganda. Even at Mama's, they make it feel so embarrassing not to be bought and you have to return home. The girls on sales share their stories of starving and most of them are dozing off. Clients sometimes toss over to us some biscuits, which would hide in the toilets to eat. Someone donates his rice and chicken to us in the stalls and a fight ensures for the food. We fall over each other like primary school children, easily tipped over by the long dresses. The Ugandan girl I meet at Mama's stall says they sleep with their agent in the same room. They say the agent rarely bathes and smells awful. I can even smell the awful body odor when she passes by. She uses incense at her desk to give the stall a better scent. I am lucky I met this girl because she revealed to me something that was about to disorganize my return to Uganda. Thanks to her, I broke through the darkness to recover my hope of return. That will be the story in the next episode.